Welcome in. Uh, episode four, State of Play. Um, I, I, know, I know, again, I've kind of mentioned in a few episodes, I've really enjoyed what I've learned and, and kind of picked up a few things. Um, but the most important thing I, I take from these is really the interviews. Um, and I, I do watch them back and, and try to get, you know, some information for the next episode as far as how we can improve. But the, the interviews with the guests I've had, uh, again, most um, everybody to this point, you know, I've, I've had a chance to work with, uh, relationships, where I've got to know them uh, pretty well. Uh, and I'm hoping to continue to bring on people that, that obviously I know and can talk a little bit about how they see sports, where they see things going. But boy, they've had some great messages. You know, Coach Winter talking about culture, uh, Andre Griffin talking about paying it forward, and really Jamie talking about the growth of women in, in sports and what they can do. But um, also talking about from the recruiting standpoint, you know, running your own race. That was something that resonated with me. So uh, for anybody that listens in on these, I know there's some some things that you learn and, and grow from and, and you got to try to get your information in in the first couple of minutes because that's what people are going to, you know, attach to. But boy, these interviews are great. So for anybody um, that, that maybe wants to go back and, and rewatch a few of these episodes, the interviews, boy, really thank to our uh, thanks to our guests that you know, come on and talk a little bit about their experiences and, and relive some of the things that they've have kind of went through. Today, you're going to have uh, Matt Middleton uh, join us. Matt is a head high school coach down in Louisiana. Um, I worked with Matt uh, for one year, one season at the uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello. He was the offensive coordinator. I was uh, one of his assistants, and we had a really good season. Um, he coached the player of the year at quarterback, uh, Scott Busan, who I would I would still put up as, as one of the greatest players. I've, I've been fortunate to be around, and I've been around some pretty good ones. Um, but I think Matt's going to give a great perspective from the um, side of the high school coach, which is really important to me. Again, if you've listened to these, that's something that I talk about a lot, the role of the high school coach and how, you know, a little bit of how they're navigating these uh, challenging times with COVID, but also just the, the uh, changing times, the student athlete that he's seen in, in his time. And he's also spent some time at the collegiate level at um, uh, multiple different places. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Matt uh, coming up in the next segment, which is really, I, I wanted to touch on this this week as we are now stepping into college football season with whatever it is. You know, some leagues are playing, some are not. Um, I, I was really leery a few weeks back when football kicked off uh, as far as the college level. Um, the, the league that I was associated with before I um, left my position Actually, at Northern, representing my Northern gear today, Northern Michigan, good program up in uh, Marquette, uh, Michigan, beautiful Marquette, Michigan. Um, the, the league I was associated with chose not to play this fall, and that's their decision. Um, you see a lot of um, other leagues and schools doing the same, some independently, even before their leagues made a choice, um, and some pushing through and playing. Um, I, I really am on the fence about how I feel from the standpoint of personally. I think it's great that we push through. I think it's great that we use sports as the leader, as the guide to kind of bring us back to some sense of normalcy, but safety has got to be uh, at, at the top of everybody's minds. And I think that that's important that we are doing that. I think that's important that leaders do that. And I think more importantly, it's important that the leaders make decisions and go with it. Um, but I was a little leery as, as games were kicking off. And, and I remember the first couple that I watched, I think actually Central Arkansas, ironically, a uh, program that Matt coached at, um, right after our time at uh, Arkansas Monticello, I think they were one of the first games that I noticed being played. Um, they were either playing Austin P or somebody, uh, somebody um, close regionally to them. But I watched it, and I, again, I was leery. I was like, okay, how am I going to feel about this? There's very few fans. It's, you know, you're seeing players opt out because of COVID concerns, which is, per, you know, perfectly fine. That's their right, it's their decision. 
but I was a little leery on, okay, how is this going to work out? What, what are we going to see? What is the experience going to be like for a fan? Okay. Um, and, and you know, as that first game kicked off, I think that might have even been a Thursday night. Then there was a game or so on uh, Friday night. And then there was a, a slate of games Saturday. College game day was on virtually. That was a little unique. Um, you know, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, Lee Corso, Desmond Howard, they were doing it all virtually. Um, that was different, you know, but I think they're doing a nice job of pushing it forward as best as they can in their arena. Um, so, again, I was a little leery. The one thing I did feel very strongly about though as I was watching these games and so they weren't the world's best games in the first um, opening weekend which is very common you know sometimes it takes a while for you to get your feel um, as a college athlete and even as a coach in a game sometimes you see these lopsided scores early in the season but the thing I started to pick up on as those games progressed throughout the week and into the weekend and it was about Saturday um, I was watching Southern Miss uh, play I believe against was it South Alabama um, what I noticed, what I felt, was there are a lot of players. I'm just speaking to college football right now. It's my arena. It's what I'm familiar with. It's what my experience is in, and that's what I followed this past uh, weekend. I really got a sense that there are the players that are playing, not to take anything away from the players that are opting out or choosing not to play, and that's well within their rights, and that's perfectly fine. But the players that are choosing to play, you are getting a sense that, man, they are playing because they love the game. And that is something that's really cool. Um, I don't want to say that's been lost. I don't want to say it's been completely lost. I think motivation, no matter which, what is motivating you, can lead to fueling your love for something in the game or, you know, helping to lead your team. And it was actually, I think, Coach Saban, again, I always find myself referencing the same people that talked about, you know, if some one of my individual players is driven by the to be a first-round draft pick, and that's what drives him to be his best player. Well, there's 10 other players out on the field at that moment that are getting a boost from that as well. There are 10 other players or a whole rest of the team that get to experience winning and success maybe because of that um, player's individual drive. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we are, we are kind of at a point in society where I think we kind of micromanage that too much. And that was a great statement by Coach Saban. But what I think you're seeing right now, and I think you're going to see from this unique season, is something we've never seen before. If you truly love the game, whether it be football, whether it be basketball, whether it be, you know, baseball's being played right now. I guess I can't speak to, to college baseball. That's more of a spring sport if they're going to come back around. I know that a lot of those spring sports and, and late winter sports lost their seasons. Hopefully they get a chance to play. I hate to see them lose two seasons. But you are seeing individuals and coaches that are doing it because they love it. And this is proving it to us as fans and to us as society. And if you don't see that in the game, and if all you want to see is the big, big schools play and play because they're the most draft picks and they're going to play for national titles, then maybe you need to check where your mindset is at as opposed to worrying about what these prospects or players and these coaches are doing. Because um, that's what I saw. Um, I saw a, a, a South Alabama team, again, I'm pretty sure that's who it was that was playing against Southern Miss, that boy, they just looked to be playing because they loved it. They wanted just to be out there. Um, I saw it a little bit in the Memphis game. Boy, they were they were playing and it sure looked like they loved it. And now Memphis had, had a... I think their, their top running back, who's probably a draft prospect, choose not to play because he's had some COVID impacts in his family. Totally understandable. Um, so that, you know, that, that takes their talent down a little bit. That's just the nature of sports. But boy, those other players, they sure seem to be playing just because they love to be out there. And I love, I, I think that's fantastic to see that. 
Um, so again, as I've referenced before, if you look long enough, you can find something positive, even, even amongst these unique and challenging times. But I'm encouraged and excited to see the growth based off what I saw in that first weekend of just, again, using college football as an example. Um, I think you're going to continue to see that. I think you're going to continue, as, as we navigate these ups and downs, there's going to be teams that are going to probably have to miss some games because of you know, testing or COVID policies, which is fine. There's going to be some teams that are going to have their schedules all reworked and changed, adjusted in the middle of it, maybe even have to shut down. But whatever games they get in the front end, I think you are going to see some prospects, some kids, some coaches that are both playing and coaching for the love of the game. And I think that can be a really cool thing for us to all evaluate and look at from the standpoint of a fan. Um, so, so if anybody else sense that, then that's awesome. Maybe I'm on an island here. I could be all by myself on this one. But, the, but what I saw on the first weekend of college football to me was pretty cool. Um, it kind of brought me back around to what I loved about college football when I was just starting to get into it, both as a you know a high school senior, thinking about what op- options I may have, and then as I got into college football. Because that love of the game, man, it is it's intoxicating. It can be really fun to be a part of. It's something that's really enjoyable. Um, so, so I think for anybody that got a chance to see that, if that's what you noticed, then maybe we're on the same page. If Again, if all you're looking for is the Clemson-Alabama matchup, then I don't know. I don't have anything for you. You know, if that's all it is for you is the, the, the tip of the spear or nothing, well, then, you know, this is going to be a tough time for you and um, how you perceive things. So I was really encouraged with what I saw because I was leery. I was super leery. You know, I'm kind of one of these all or nothing guys at times, too, that, hey, maybe if there's not full stadiums and the crowd's not going crazy, maybe I won't feel the energy and the juice. And there was a couple of those, but that's my fault. That's my problem. And to be able to kind of get that transition throughout those couple games, I thought was really, really fun to be a part of, honestly. Um, So for those kids that are pushing through and doing it right and those programs that are doing everything they can for the safety uh, of their their student athletes, the safety of their coaches, um, the support staff, the administration, everything they're doing, I applaud you for pushing through. I'm not trying to take anything away from the schools and the leagues that are not. Those are leadership decisions, and you make those decisions and stay firm. I'm not going to stop anybody from feeling that either but boy those schools that are pushing through i applaud you uh, for putting a plan in place allowing kids not to play if they're not comfortable but the kids that are boy they sure seem to be playing because they just love playing football and that was really that was really fun to watch i hope that that's something that continues um and as we're a couple weeks in now to college football i'm seeing that uh more commonly um up next interview with uh, matt middleton i'm really excited to hear his perspective and hear his thoughts on what he sees uh, in today's game. So that'll be uh, a really fun and enjoyable experience um, for me to talk to Matt next. Welcome back to episode four of State of Play. This is going to be a lot of fun. I am joined by Matt Middleton. Uh, Matt is the a head coach down in the state of Louisiana, head high school coach. Um, I worked with Matt down at Arkansas Monticello way back in, boy, was it 2008, Matt? We had a seven-win season down for the bull weevils and we got a lot of really um, fun enjoyable um, experiences from that but Matt's been at a lot of different places he's been a lot of different programs uh, in the college level at the high school level I'm really excited to kind of hear Matt's perspective uh, especially from the head high school uh, standpoint how are things going Matt it's it's fun to have you but how are things going how are you navigating everything that comes with this pandemic regarding your team and trying to get things organized as best as you can Dan, first of all, thanks for having me on. I think what you're doing is phenomenal, and uh, it's good to visit with you. I think the toughest part for us in the state of Louisiana, I'm just going to be honest, is we're the only state in the South 
that is not playing high school football. But as we uh, have this conversation, the executive committee for our Louisiana High School Athletic Association is in meetings um, to try to push us forward uh, to be able to play. And I just got a text that says we are headed headed there. We're fixing to play. They're fixing to turn us loose. It's just trying to navigate through what the games are going to be and whatnot. But uh, COVID, uh, man, it's a, it's a bad deal. And I guess what I'm trying to say is this. It's affected us from how we work out, how we can't work out, what we can and can't do practice-wise, how many we can have in a building, how we can't lift in the weight room with X amount of numbers. Um, so it's been unlike any year I have ever gone through. Um, and I don't know, I hope we never have another year like this, but it's going to be one of those that I think is still ever-changing with us, just like some of the things, if they turn us loose to play, what we're going to have to do on the sidelines, those things, um, it's ever-changing. And I wish I had the answers, but right now it's just kind of a day-to-day deal. Well, you know, Matt, one of the things I talk about on these episodes is how important the head high school coach is in any student-athlete. And really what you're talking about is true leadership, you know. And, and me and you were part of, you know, you led a really good offense at Monticello. We were able to win seven games there. It's a place that hasn't traditionally won, even though I, I know you know the head coach there. He's doing a really good job. But it's easy to lead, I think, sometimes when things are going perfect and great. And, you know, you're, you're competing for state championships. I remember some of the programs you always kind of keeping me up to date with at Louisiana that were like the top of the top. But at the end of the day, what you're talking about is true leadership, you know, stepping up to the plate when things are really difficult. Um, in my opinion, this is where high school coaches can make sometimes the biggest impact. How do you talk to your players about it? How do you try to keep pushing them and keeping them positive with all the back and forth and all the uncertainty? One of the hardest things we've had, uh, Dan, is to keep them motivated, just to be straightforward and honest with you. It's, you know, I'm going to year four here, which we, we've come into a complete culture rebuild. I'm in a place that hasn't had success. A lot of success. We're, we're getting there. We made the highest classification playoffs last year, which is so we were finally what we felt like arriving, and then this happens. So it's one of those to where the relationships are built with the, as a coach with players. You always want to be transparent and, and as honest as we possibly can. And we were rolling good for the first month of July, and then the word came out first of July that we probably weren't going to play. And it was like the wind was let out of our sails, and it was really hard to rally them at that point. But I think the biggest thing is kids are kids, parents are parents, which I'm a parent. But as you know, it's one of those situations to where uh, it's just a tough situation uh, to where you're always trying to keep some form of, of honesty. But a lot of times parents get too much information from outside sources of social media and then, and then uh, tell kids and we struggle with it from then, then and there. And, and that's our problem we deal with. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about, we talked to, a, a, me and you were talking just before we got started here getting all this set up. Um, you know, you're a parent and you're a head coach. Um, how has your perspective changed now coaching your boys? Um, you know, you've been anywhere from a really high level coaching at the you know FBS level me and you were together again at a Division II school. Um, you were at UCA, a 1AA school. Um, but how has your perspective changed now coaching your boys, being a parent, maybe even from the way you used to coach you know, players that weren't your boys, how that's impacted now how you do 
you know, coach your boys that, that are on your teams. How has kind of being, how has be, being a parent impacted or changed how you've approached your coaching style? Well, it's funny you say that because the years we spent together, it's I don't know that there's anybody more high level than I can get intensity wise, um, and it's changed. It's changed me. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think I did a good job coaching my oldest son. You know, and uh, he graduated this past year. Um, it definitely, when you have a heart involved in it, so to speak, that sounds kind of not not a good thing to say, but. So many times in college football, it's about the business. You know, it's about production, and it's one of those deals. If a guy doesn't produce, you replace him. You know, and not saying that relationships aren't built, but I've changed as a coach. I was a very uh, hard nose in your face type of guy. I was that way with my oldest son, um, and he's a good good high school player, but didn't respond to it uh, the way that I wanted him to respond, and it started really making me look at things. Um, in a different perspective and the bottom line is I started realizing do I really want somebody else talking to my boy the way I'm talking to their son you know and it really started looking making me look at those things differently because each kid's got a different personality there are kids that you can ride hard and there are kids that you can't do that with they all respond differently where my my middle son is my quarterback he's a cerebral guy but he's a pleaser you know what I mean so I don't have to ride him you know and get on him he knows he's a film rat but i think it's really understanding kids today i got two oldest sons that are completely different uh but but i think you got to find that median dan as you know you've done it for years find out what personalities are but there's no question in my mind that i've changed my style based off how it's affected my family because i would like to tell you i'm that guy that left it at school but that wasn't the case so We'd end up at the, at the supper table talking about it, you know. So it's a fine line, but I, I know this. Uh, generations have changed. It's harder to coach kids now than it was for me and you 10, 12 years ago. What, let's kind of maybe as we kind of wrap these, um, these interviews are a lot of fun, um, but I do I, I want to be cognizant of everyone's time, yours especially. Um, what has changed uh, as kind of one of the last things that we talk about? What's changed about these generations? What makes – uh, it harder to coach kids than maybe it was when we were kind of getting started. Social media, I think, has one of the biggest things to do with that uh, for kids today. Um, social media is the biggest. I think this sounds bad to say. I think a form of entitlement in in a, in a way. And I'm not saying every kid's entitled. That's not what I'm saying. But I know this: that both of my sons play travel baseball, uh, and it was one of those deals to where you could show up and get a trophy. You know, so it's one of those deals like. Um, you know, you have four teams in a tournament. They're four good teams, but they all get medals. So it's kind of one of those where the expectation is being, well, I'm going to play and I'm going to get a medal, you know. And it's it, and I think now, depending on where you're at, there's not – and there still are blue-collar programs. I know that. I don't know how many blue-collar kids there are left, you know. And what I mean by that, it's, it's just a different – it's a different generation. But – I think today, I guess the best thing I could use is I have a caricature in my office. It's a cartoon, and it's on, on half of one page. It has the year 1950, and it has the little Johnny came home with a bad grade, and it's an F on his report card. And on the other side of the picture, it has the teacher and the parents yelling at the kid about his grade. Fast forward on the other side, the right side of the picture, 
it's got the year 2010. Little Johnny came home again with an F. Well, now it's got the parents and the child yelling at the teacher. So it's one of those where I think we've just kind of lost perspective of uh, authority. I think authority has changed a little bit, you know, and I just think kids are involved with more things now. And I think even from when you, Coach Pedrosi, started coaching to now, Coach Middleton, I think it's changed so much that we've even had to adapt that you can't coach kids a certain way that you used to coach them. So I think it's an ever-evolving profession. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's it's really a great message, to be honest. And here we are, Matt. I mean, we're both um, – parents that get a chance to kind of help make that change a little bit um and and obviously some good news for you about the state allowing you guys to play so you know as we kind of wrap up here i'm going to wish you well um this is a great opportunity for you to go out there and coach the team and lead them through what i think is a really challenging time um and i i think really is kind of an exciting time though this is something you'll this is a year you'll probably never forget Uh, this is a year that the kids will probably um never forget and with that being said, it can be a lot of fun uh, when you kind of go through and look back. It may take you know four or five years to look back and realize it was fun. But knowing you, there'll be a lot of energy. There'll be a lot of running around on that field and calling for verticals. So I'm excited to follow the team and hear how it goes. So wishing you all the well uh, this fall, Matt. Good luck with everything. Uh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate what you're doing for high school football. All right. It was a lot of fun, Matt. Take care. Stay safe down there. Have a good season. Thanks to Matt Middleton for joining us um, on episode four. Uh, Matt's got good perspective. Um, he's been at so many different levels, now coaching high school uh, sports. That's a really good perspective, what he had to kind of talk about, which kind of leads me into my last segment for today. And this will probably be pretty brief, but it's something that I feel pretty passionate about. And I, I, I may not make any friends on this one. I may you know, be all by myself on this one here. But I think there's something that I that hits me all the time regarding my generation. You know, I find myself watching all these videos on Facebook like everybody else, okay? And, and, and I use Facebook as an example. I don't have anything negative to say about them. You can throw stones wherever you want, but it's where we're at in society. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. You could talk about not using it. You could talk about how it's good or bad. Teach his own. You know, that's where we're at. You know, when I was a kid, there was phones and landlines, and you'd sit on the phone for an hour talking to your girlfriend or just your friends, and your parents would yell at you about being on the phone too long. Um, So I don't really have anything negative to say about it uh, from a standpoint of of being in touch with people that I I probably wouldn't be able to stay up with. I think there's a lot of positive social media, but I find myself watching these videos on, on Facebook. And you know, like anything else in today's day and age, they have these great algorithms that continue to feed you information that you like. I mean, that's some really smart person, a lot smarter than me, uh, has created some good technology um, that, that kind of makes life easier. Um, but at the end of the day, what I think about every time I watch them, um, every time I find myself maybe getting a little bit turned off by some of the mostly political videos that I do find myself watching is... They're so opinion driven. Um, and the great thing nowadays is when you watch a video, there's a statement at the top or the bottom. Okay. And, and most of the times I see it, he or she got owned, you know. And I'm always interested because that simple editing where you put a text on there already sets your mind 
into a direction that this is going to happen. But actually, when you watch those clips, a lot of times, that's not actually what happened at all. And if you really, truly listen, that's not kind of what's going on in that video clip. And again, most of the time, it's political videos, because that's all there is right now, especially with the with the uh, uh, election coming up. But those things, after I watch them, they kind of frustrate me a little bit, because I'm like, wait a minute, that I wouldn't consider that getting owned or... You know, he was proved right or wrong. And it all just depends on what your opinions are. Um, and, and I think that's a reflection of my generation. I'm going to throw my generation under the bus. Um, and I think one of the things that my generation struggles with is we have truly had very little hardship that has been forced on us. You know, coronavirus, COVID is probably the first thing. And all you do since that's happened is hear people in my generation complaining and arguing to get whatever they want. And I think, again, I, I, I use my father and my grandfather's era as a little bit of an example. You know, back in the, I guess, 30s, 40s, when there was a world war and you were just drafted into the service and told to go fight, your perspective has a funny way of changing. Your, your, your mind has to change from the standpoint of, you learn to take orders. You learn to realize life isn't fair at an early age. A lot of those young men in World War II are 18, 19 years old, some maybe even 17 if they were able to enter the, dra enter the draft at that time. You know, and my generation doesn't have a lot to fall back on. I think about some of the, the, the challenges we faced. September 11th, devastating time. But I wasn't forced into the service after that. No one came. I mean, I remember our head coach at the time talking about, you know, you better stay in your school work because, you know, if you better, you know, hope you have something to hang your hat on that if they come calling for this draft, because he was old enough to remember those times. Well, that didn't happen. Um, what else is there really that my generation has to look back and say, boy, that just wasn't fair, but we had to push through it. You know, we talk about kids being entitled. It's my generation that's entitled. It's the 28 to 35-year-olds that are walking around right now, and we really have nothing to look back on and say, that just, that was tough. That, you know, guided me other than just what we think or what our opinions are um, and what we choose to believe by listening to other people. And that's where society really is tough right now. You know, again, I talk about you know, parents need to have good perspective and take it easy on your coaches. Well, I'm a parent. I'm, and, and it's my generation that are now the parents. And again, if you look hard enough, you can find a lot of positive things. A lot of the youth sports I've been to regarding my children, all the parents are great. You know, but you see one or two things on, on, on a social media site and it just makes you, you know, discouraged about where, you know, society is and some things. But that's my generation. So I'll be the first one to say, I think a big part of it is a byproduct of the fact that my generation hasn't had a lot of struggle, hasn't been forced into a lot of tough, you know, scenarios. I, I worked with a coach um, at, at one of my previous stops, and he was actually an advocate that every, you know, young man should have to serve in the service. Um, now, again, that's tough. We have a selective service now. We have a lot of great, brave young men and women who go and fight for this country. I'm very proud of the fact that that's the case, but no one is really forced to do much anymore and everything now is about rights um, I can do this because of rights that I have and I'll always leave you know this question out to anybody you know what rights have you earned you know um, I guess I you know it's uh, I guess I'm speaking out both sides of my mouth because I'm fortunate to, to even have this conversation just because I was born in America I can you know 
tape these videos and post them um, on a social media site. And if people choose to listen, then great. And if they choose not to listen to my perspective, that's great. But that's just because I'm an American. You know, but what have I really earned? You know, what have I done to earn the right to, whether it be to bear arms or even to free speech? You know, have I, have I paid into, you know, what it takes to earn these rights and these privileges? Um, obviously, one of the most um, poignant things that sticks out is Pat Tillman, you know, and, and obviously we lost Pat Tillman, uh, was a, a great player at Arizona State. I remember watching him and then, you know, I had an you know, opportunity in the NFL and was really at the you know, cusp of a great, great NFL career. And then September 11th hit and he joined the Rangers and, and tragically was lost over fighting for this country. Um, and regardless of the circumstances of that, the, the, what I always remember um, is the interview he gave. I believe he had either enrolled or it was just before and he decided he was going to enroll. And he talked about how he looked at his family and, and, and I, I believe he had some family members that had served. And he said, and I haven't done anything with my life. And I sat there and I listened to that. And as most young people, I mean, I was younger at the time, I guess it... It's, it's lost in me how old he is or how much older he was than, I, than me. Um, but I heard that, and, and most people would say, well, geez, you're an NFL player making millions of dollars, and your perspective is that you haven't done anything with your life. That is powerful. That was powerful to me. And I'm not saying I turned it into anything. I haven't served for this country. Um, I'd like to think I'm a law-abiding citizen, but I haven't served for this country. I haven't put myself in real harm's way. Um, and here's someone who a lot of people would view as being having all this, and then he takes, you know, the risk and ultimately um, loses his life fighting for our country. That was a powerful message. I, I don't know if we've lost that. I, again, I, I could be by myself on this one. Maybe no one will listen to this part of the message and think anything of it, and that's fine. But that's something I wanted to share um, on this episode. It's something that stuck with me. Have, have, we, have, you, have you really earned anything? And, that, and it's a fine line. You know, some of us... You know, don't don't have what it takes to serve, and that's fine too. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Some of us don't have what it takes to make a change from the inside, and that's fine. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. But that perspective was something that I do fall back on a lot. What have I earned? You know, um, and, and those are things I I believe we can do better um, as a society. When you see what's going on in our country with you know social justice, when you see what's going on in our country with how people are reacting to the pandemic. You know, take a minute to think, my generation, you know, what have you earned? You know, these leaders make a decision. Have you really earned the right to say that that's wrong? You know, what are you doing? Um, and I guess that's a little bit of a rhetorical, you know, question. I guess it's something just for people to think about. Maybe this is a little bit too heavy of a topic everybody wants, laughing and joking. I don't know. That's not really me anyways, you know. Um, uh, so I thought this was a really important message for me to share. Again, Choose to go with it whatever way you want. Um, think about it. If you think I'm wrong, again, that's well within your rights. <laughs> you know, which is again the, the 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 counterpoint to what I'm what I'm sitting here talking about is we're all given rights by being you know living in this country, which I think is the greatest country out there. Um, but at the same time, um, it, it's tough. It takes a lot of work. Uh, in my opinion, we all have to invest into it and, and really earn the right to. Um, to, to have all these privileges that we're all given. And I just wonder if my generation has, has done enough to really earn the right to speak sometimes the way I hear us speaking. Sometimes both positive, almost too positive, and sometimes almost too negative. Um, playing some neutral, playing the middle, I think, for my generation and listening. 
uh, can be a really strong uh, direction. I think you know, when you really um, hear anybody talk, especially on things like social justice, that's what they're asking. You know, is for people to listen, um, hear the other side. Don't just make your um, opinions rock solid just because. You know, hear what other people have to think um, about their current situations and at least hear each side. So uh, that was something I wanted to talk about. Again, pretty heavy, you know, probably turn a lot of people off. That's life. That's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to tune into this because it's the most, you know, fun thing and you're just going to sit there and laugh and I'm going to sit here and tell jokes all day. Um, but the reality is I thought that was something that was on my mind. I wanted to share it with everybody. So uh, with that being said, again, another fun episode uh, for me to talk about some things that I believe very strongly about. Listen to you know, Matt Middleton, um, talk about his perspective as a high school coach. Um, and, and again, can, looking forward to continuing these uh, episodes. I enjoy doing it. Uh, for anybody that gets a chance to follow, uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, if you'd like to subscribe so you get updates. I gotta be, I don't even really know how that works, by the way. Um, if that means then you get alerts from when I post these. Um, I had been posting them on a weekly basis. I may slow that down a little bit as I try to grasp um, this concept to make sure I'm doing it right more so than worrying about getting them out too fast. Um, but anyways, if, if that's something that uh, would help you to get notifications, if you enjoy these episodes, um, I'd love to hear some comments and some feedback and try to make those changes uh, when I have the ability to do that. So with that being said, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of your week.